Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com boost. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests the sound through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blues. It is the Blue Room, it is your weekly show, and it is that weird time between the fixtures being announced, pre-season starting, it's very much footballing purgatory for the Toffees, but there's still stuff going on, I'm ready to have a chat about it. Joining me to pick our way through it, Alan Fahili, editor of Football España. Alan, how are you doing, mate? I, I have to say, I was in Spain last week and I sympathise very much with your regular daily play, because my word, it was hot. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense to be honest. The speak is not so bad. It's um, you know, between 26 and 30 most days. Um, but last week, as you've mentioned, yeah, it was you know 40, at least 42 in some days, 44 in some days as well, which is just not heat you can live in, really. You know, the most basic things become difficult. And it's one thing, you know, being on holidays and you know, going from the pool to the, the bar, going from the beach to the bar. But if you're, you know, working your normal job and doing groceries and trying to live, you know, a media, kind of a, a normal life, it becomes very, very difficult, you know. So suffering, but enjoying a bit of the respite this week, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Patrick Ridge also joins us. Uh, it's hot here in the UK still, mate, though, isn't it? So, you know, struggling to get by doing daily things here, too, to be fair. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we, we, I think we've got it harder than anything than Alan. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? At least he's got that. I mean, it's just clouded over in Wakefield in Yorkshire. So now it's just 
just muggy, you know, really intense. Can't sleep on a night at 15 degrees. It's, yeah, really getting, really getting, getting to us, I think. But um, at least there's no Everton at the minute to keep us miserable. Like, you know, it's not like we're losing games every few days and we can't sleep and it's all sweaty and everything. So at least we've got that. At least we've got it to look forward to coming back as well. I mean, I've just I've got the cricket on in the background there. It's just started raining and they're bringing the covers out, so we can start moaning about the rain now as well. Yeah. But, uh, it's it's definitely one of them. But yeah, you mentioned there about Everton. Not really tons going on. Really, it's been a few weeks since the ownership stuff came up. That's died down a little bit. Fixtures are out last week, so we will be focusing on transfers. In well, by and large, in this show, but we want to start off with something that Alan wants to get off his chest. I think because he brought this up before we started recording today. And it was a little post from ESPN, ESPN FC on their socials asking the footballing universe, who is the best Brazilian attacker in the Premier League? Is it Gabriel Martinelli with his six goals this season for Arsenal? Is it Rafinha with his nine caps for Brazil? Is it Gabriel Jesus with his probably 10-ish starts this season? But that's it. There's, there's no other options, Alan. It's got to be one of them three, mate, unfortunately. Yeah, they don't pick the guy who actually wears number nine and starts for Brazil or front, you know. It's kind of mind-boggling, but uh, but this is the way it is. My brother texted me, actually, and he was like, wait until they, he goes to Chelsea or Spurs and they'll be, you know, singing his praises every week, you know, praising his competitive nature. But the reality of it is, the way it is these days, is that, you know, while he's playing for Everton, he's going to be underrated um, and vilified and unfairly characterised as well. We've seen it, you know, since he joined the club, basically, but... It's crazy. I mean, for one of the worst teams in England last season, which is what we were, he scored 10 goals in 30 games, contributed five assists. That's, you know, in every other game, he's directly contributing to a goal. He starts for Brazil. He's a really important player for Tichy. He works very well with Neymar um, in that attack. And he's going to be leading the line in Qatar come uh, November of this year. Whether it be an Everton player when he's doing that or not, I don't know. But he'll be there, thereabouts. You know, Hafinha is a very talented boy, but he only made his debut in October. He was a nobody in Brazil. I was there at the time when he made his debut. Everyone was going, who is this guy? I've never heard of him before because he never played. For, he never did anything in club football in Brazil. Martinelli is a kid, you know, six goals you mentioned. Jesus broke his duct in the friendlies Brazil were playing in South Korea and Japan, the last international break. But before that, he hasn't scored a goal in 20 consecutive internationals for Brazil. So while he's more caps than Richardson, his record is inferior. And he's shown himself, you know, to not have the metal to lead Brazil at a major tournament in the 2018 um, World Cup, whereas Richardson has already won the Copa America with Brazil and the Olympic Games with Brazil. So, I don't know. Give me a break, like. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, P- Patrick, you said that it's all about the interactions and, and getting the clicks. I mean, it, it feels as though ESPN and other outlets like this tend to do things like this with Jordan Pickford as well. And and Evertonians tend to react. I mean, are we that fan base now? Are we the ones that bite at every single thing, do you think? Because, because we've had an anxious season and we're just all a bit on edge still. I think so. Um, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure Like, I'm sure other clubs, I'm sure fans of other clubs would say the same thing. Um, and you only see it when, you know, it's it's your, it's your club, isn't it? it's your team. And with the way social media works with algorithms and stuff like that, I'm sure it pops up because other people that you follow have interacted with it and that's just kind of the, the aim of the game. But um, also, yeah, it was like a clear... And maybe it's just because Rafinha has been linked to Arsenal and Barcelona and stuff like that. But you'd think with Richarlison, given like the likelihood that he's going to move on this summer, that they'd have included him. So maybe it's just 
being kind, maybe it's just like they've got the work experience kid in and he's just fought the first three people he can find on FIFA from Brazil. Or it is, you know, genuine like trying to wind fan bases up. But yeah, they do Pickford, they do it with Lampard. I think every I think we we are because, like like obviously I'm from where I'm from around Yorkshire, um Leeds Frank Lampard lives in Leeds fans' head. And I think he lives in other fan like fans of other clubs that like, everybody seems to hate him. Um and whatever you think, Frank Lampard, you know, I don't think any of us think he's perfect. That's it's almost quite nice in a way because we stayed up and we were able to shove it in their faces to an extent. Um, it's the same with Richardson. It's the same with Pickford. So, so I think that I think that companies like that just kind of and accounts like that they just build on that, don't they? Really feed off that. Yeah, and I was surprised as well to be fair at how big Richardson is in Brazil. I mean, like everyone knows him as you know, Opombo. The pigeon, like he's actually a big deal from a cultural perspective, which is interesting. You know, I didn't think he would be given he played for Everton, but you know, something about his personality is made waves over. He's very respected, very much loved. Um, I mean, I, I guess we all saw the footage of him singing at Alan's wedding. You know, being decked out in the t-shirt and uh, a chain compared to Andre Gomez, he looked like he stepped out of GQ. I just thought it was hilarious. Like, but uh, but yeah, he's a legend for sure, and I think we're lucky we um we have him and we'll miss him when he's gone. How do you both feel about the, the situation as it is at the moment? Because it's probably been a couple of weeks now since that initial interest from Tottenham was reported by David Ornstein and, and firmed up elsewhere. I believe the Echo over the weekend reported as well that the Chelsea have got genuine interest in him as well. I mean, as we sit here, Patrick, it's just feels like it's, it's stored a little bit, doesn't it? But it's one of them where it just feels like this is going to, take a while to potentially get sorted because Everton have got rightfully a high valuation. The other clubs are going to potentially want to barter and there might be a few different options for them. It just, uh, I, when that Tottenham link emerged earlier this this summer, I sort of thought this might be wrapped up quite quickly and it might be a deal done. But the more it's gone on and the more details are starting to emerge, it's starting to feel like it's it could develop into a, a bit of a saga. Yeah, um, I think the issue... It's kind of catch twenty two for Everton, isn't it? And that we every every club, every man and his dog knows that we need a sale. Apart from some Everton fans, maybe who are kind of not in denial, but maybe clinging on to the hope that we somehow look. It'd be brilliant if we somehow could clear, you know, Andre Gomez um, cashing on Mina as much as I like Mina, just because of his well known problems um, with injuries. You know, maybe get rid of another player, even someone like Damari Gray, for example, who I think did well in his first season. You know, if you could turn around a quick profit on someone like that, then FFP-wise, he's suddenly looking a lot brighter. Um, but the likelihood of all those things happening is slim to none. Um, all those things happening in time to get any deals done is pretty much non-existent. You know, I, th- I think that we're going to have Gomez probably until the end of the window because it's just the state they're in, say, with Mina maybe. Um, again, I don't. I'd rather mean to not go, but I know really has to. So every man and his dog, his dog knows we need a big sale. Um, I think the fan base towards the end of the season had got in the heads generally that it was going to be Calvert Lewin um, for a multitude of reasons. You know, the player hadn't played a lot. There's everything that he did, the GQ interview and everything like that. Um, and whereas really, it's Rich Allison who finished the season strongly. I know Calvert Lewin obviously scored the great goal at the end and the. the the vital goal, but Richarlison's the one who's drawn interest. And I think it's pretty clear that he's probably said to the club, you know, if a big offer comes in from a Champions League club, I'd, I'd like to know about it or I'd like to leave, which I think is fair enough and no one would begrudge it. But the issue with that is every other club knows that too. So why would they rush? 
Um, Chelsea, you know, if there is interest, but then supposedly they want Raheem Sterling. So, like, I'm pretty sure Chelsea would probably prioritise Sterling over Richarlison. Um, you know, as much as much as I love Richarlison, I don't think he's on the same level as Sterling. And then Spurs, t- notoriously tough negotiators. But, you know, the, the thing with Everton is that we've just got to stick to our valuation. It's just how long, it's how long we can let that rumble on for without doing any business ourselves because... I think, you know, maybe maybe it's all to do with accountancy years and tax years and things that when we get into July, maybe some money will be available. But it's definitely not going to be enough for what we need. Um, so, yeah, the sooner the better, whoever goes, whichever one of them is going to go, the sooner the better. But I think I get the feeling it's going to go on. Maybe not to the, maybe not into the season, but I reckon the first week of August, we could still be looking at a situation where both Richarlison and uh, Calvert-Lewin are still here. Yeah, don't sell them to Chelsea before that opening game. Whatever. Yeah. That, that, or, or at least do one of those gentlemen's agreements. I think United did with us for Tim Howard all those years ago. <laughs> that means uh, they, they, can't, they can't play. But just, just finally on Richarlison, Alan, I think it was going into the summer, I think one of the things I was quite intrigued about was to see what sort of level of club would be after him because as much as we all love him, you know, in recent years his goal return has, has dipped off a little bit got nine in the Premier League last season, had a few little up and down spells, hasn't really got a defined position. And I wasn't really sure that, you know, he would attract the interest of one of those big Champions League sides. But I think the fact that Antonio Conte clearly wants him, the fact that Thomas Tuchel clearly wants him, the fact, as you said there, that he is an integral player for Brazil and is expected to start for them at the the, the World Cup in, in the winter, probably just goes to show that, there's a lot of belief out there that this lad can go on another level, another two levels, if he is surrounded by the right sort of players and is, and is playing in the right kind of setup. Yeah, definitely. I think of the clubs linked to him, Spurs is probably the best fit because I think that, you know, he would suit Conte's style down to the ground. And I think he'd suit a club of Spurs stature down to the ground. And I think that he'd be a very useful alternate to have um, with their front three. Um, I think from his perspective, though, I'm not sure he would be interested in a move to Arsenal, for instance. I think it would be a mistake. I think, you know, conceivably he could go to Arsenal this summer for a big transfer fee. Although it seems their priority is Rafinha at the moment. Um, and were he to do that and have a massive World Cup, I mean, he, he could conceivably score three or four goals in the World Cup and Brazil win the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? What's his value going to be then? It's going to skyrocket. And then next summer, you know, Karen Baines may be a year older. Maybe Madrid want a new striker. Well, they do want a new striker next year, that's for sure. At the moment, it looks like it's going to be Christopher Nkunku, who signed the release clause with Leipzig today for 60 million euros. He's the one being talked about today. But I think in Richardson's perspective, you can get to a, a move to a functional top four Champions League club right now, you'll do it, 100%. But I think knowing his character, he won't force a move to somebody like Manchester United or like Arsenal right now. I think with the World Cup on the horizon, that'll be a mistake. So we'll see. We'll see. The one thing I'll say is that the market is so dependent on other things. It's completely interdependent. It's not like it's an ecological system. It, it, things don't happen in isolation, you know? So the way things are at the moment, Rafinha is in demand, most definitely. I mean, he wants to go to Barcelona, but whether they have the money or not is up in the air. And then there's, you know, Spurs, Chelsea, and Arsenal are all in for him as well. So only one of them can get him. And if the other two still want a wide player of his profile. You know, Raheem Sterling is in the picture too, as, as uh, you mentioned. 
but I think they're going to be coming in from as well. So we'll see what happens, you know, over the course of the window, but there's still lots to happen. And like, it's not as simple as getting deals done early. Very few clubs can afford to do that. Only clubs of the stature of City and Liverpool can do that. The rest of us have to ride with the waves and kind of roll with the punches a bit. And Everton are pretty low down in the pecking order at the moment, as we have seen, given the calibre of players are being linked to. So let's see what happens. It's very hard to make a prediction this early in the window, I think. Yeah, and I suppose there is going to be knock-on effects from that. You mentioned there about the players we've been linked to. The one that's come out most significantly over the last 24 hours or so, I think it's someone that's been spoken about for a while, really, tentatively, but certainly firmed up. Recently, is Harry Winks at Spurs again. I think the Echo reported it first, and then BBC picked up on it as well later in the day, saying Everton have held talks to Tottenham over a permanent deal for the England international midfielder. Alan, I'll, I'll come back to you first on this one, mate, before we, we go to Patrick. General thoughts on, on Harry Winks as a player before we go into to anything else? Is he one that's going to get your pulse racing a little bit when you hear about when you think about him potentially lining up midfield next to Jean-Philippe Gabamon and Andre Gomez next season? No, it's just uninspiring, isn't it? Like, it's just uninspiring. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad footballer, but I think he's not the kind of rough gem I think we all hoped, a rough diamond we all hoped we'd be looking for in this market. He's part of the excess fat of a club that's bigger than us, but not that big. I mean, we used to be shopping for Barca's reserves, now we're shopping for Spurs reserves, it seems. Um, after Deli Ali came in and was such a great success. His person, so it's his persona and his manner seems to me to be the antithesis of what everything is all about. I don't think he's going to be one to take to the terraces in the way that other characters might. I don't think he's spiky enough in that sense to make up for his lack of quality. So while he may do a serviceable job in midfield, he might, you know, not put a foot wrong. He might be tidy in possession. The fact that Frank Lampard wants him gives him a bit of hope because I think it's time to back our coaches with their players, even though that's what got us into this problem in the first place. But yeah, it's just very uninspiring, isn't it? Like I've, I'm not a huge fan of him as a player. I think he could do a serviceable job, but he's not a top four player. He's not a, even a top six player, I'd argue, to be honest with you, starting. So yeah, it's pretty unimpressive to me. And the fee that we're talking about, 25 million euros, I think it is, 25 million pounds. Just, uh, it's a big red flag for me. And the biggest one is the Spurs fans I've spoken to about him have all said the same. If he offered £25 million for them, they'd be laughing, laughing. And when we know ourselves, it's the fans who watch the players week in, week out, who know the true measure of those players. So, I don't know. I I personally, I'm not a fan of this move. But the one caveat is that if Frank wants him, you have to back Frank with the players he wants. And I'm sure as well, you know, if they could sign Joshua Kimmich, they would. But this is the level of player we're shopping at, you know. It's like uh, going to a disco. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I'm very much not enthused by the move, to be honest, but uh, I'm kind of not apathetic, but pretty foggy about how Everton perceived this transfer window, to be honest with you. What are you going to say that if we could sign Josh King then? I was like, oh God, yeah, get him, <laughs> get him back after that hat trick last season. <laughs> the yeah. redemption story begins. But, Joshua um... King in uh, El Ghazi, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> the, same, the same ilk. Oh, marvellous. Pa- Patrick, what, what do you think about it, mate? Because I've, I've seen you having some Twitter conversations about, about this over the last 24 hours or so. And I think it would probably be fair to say you're maybe a bit more upbeat about the prospect than, than Alan is. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of I agree. The thing is, I do agree with everything Alan has said there. Like, I, I just think that we need to see... There hasn't been enough 
they only trusted reports and this was in the athletic a few weeks ago as well and I kind of been reinforced this morning um is that Everton and sorry it was in the eye I think the eye a few hours ago have done an update that basically talks are kind of at a standstill anyway because Everton want a loan that's this talk of 20 million is that's what Spurs value him at I think that's what people need to be clear on is I think there's been a lot of thing of like, oh, I can't believe we're paying 20 million for Harry Winks. And it's like, well, hang on. No, that's what Spurs value, Matt. We might value Richard Everton, might value Richard Allison at 70 million. You know, fairly so, or 60 million or whatever. But it doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to get that. We hope we do, if he does go. Um, I think the thing with Winks is, I'm not, I don't know what a, I don't know what a Kevin Felwell player looks like, for example. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know enough about Kevin Felwell's previous jobs. Um, what he did at Wolves is kind of clouded because of the um, links to Bendez. So I suppose you've got to look at is if this is a player that we're interested in, it probably might be a lamp, you know, maybe it is Lampard wanting that type of player who's just going to come into midfield, keep things ticking over, keep things tidy. Um, I just did a very quick check of some like overline stats and he does keep the ball better than any of our midfielders from last season, which again isn't hard, but like just looking at passing accuracy is far better across the board, the name of our midfielders in both halves as well. Obviously, he only started nine league games. So again, figures are going to be skewed a bit, but I can see, I could see where Lampard would want a player like Winks to fit in. Personally, I think our priority should be go out and get an athletic midfielder first, um, but someone who's got a bit more ability on the ball or got potential to have a bit more ability on the ball than, say, Decorey has. I think the perfect example, and he's one that we could have got a few years ago, but Brands turned his nose up at him, was Sangari, who's now at PSV, who's kind of been touted around for 25, 30 million. But that, not saying him, but that type of midfielder where it's a big, powerful unit, but they can, they have that positional sense and that passing ability to kind of sit in the middle of the park. I think ideally that's what I'd like us to go for. But maybe Lampard's looking at it, on Felwell looking at it, going, well, we, we, we know Winks is interested in a move. We want a loan or a cheap deal, but Spurs are playing hardball and this is part of transfer negotiation. So I, I've tried to take a step back from the links and just think, well, I think he could add something to our midfield. He wouldn't be the first one that I go for. Um, I don't think he'd transform us into a team that's going to challenge for Europe, but frankly, I don't think we're going to be anywhere near that anyway. Um, I've seen shouts that he's like much worse than Tom Davis and things like that. Well, I, I just don't, I'm, this isn't having a go at Davis particular, but I just don't agree with that. He's got, he's very neat and tidy, he keeps hold of the ball well. And I think that maybe Everton fans have got, I, I certainly have in my head, that the ideal number six is that big, that player who can get about the pitch and do a bit of everything and screen the defence, like Garner, but, you know, on a on a kind of bit more of a advanced scale. And it's like, well, we're probably just going to need two players to come in and fill the role. We'd need to, mid- whatever happens this summer, we need two midfielders because Delph's gone. I can't see Gomez staying. Oh, we're going to do all we can to get rid of him. And Gabamin, I think he's gone as well, which will leave us with Elan, who might well go. Decore, who's got one year left on his deal, I think, with an option. And Davis, off the top of my head, is our actual central midfielders. And then you throw in a Wobie. Well, if Lampard wants to play 4-3-3 or a variation of it, then we're going to need more bodies in there. So, look, I'm just... If we pay £20 million for him, I'll be pretty disheartened. I think that would be ridiculous. But I think just shouts of like, oh, I can't believe we're paying £20 million for him. It's like, well, it's nowhere near that yet, clearly. Like, clearly talks are ongoing. I think a loan would be... I think a loan would be a pretty sensible move. Um, 
And I can definitely see where Lampard wants that type of player who takes the ball off the defence. He's just not, he's not what I want as a number six. And I'm not saying he is a number six, but I can see why Lampard wants that player in his midfield. But whatever happens, whether we get Harry Winks or not, we need to go out and get another midfielder. It'd be the same if we did go on like firmer power interest for Zinchenko. I think we'd still need, if we had the funds to do that, I think Zinchenko would be a brilliant signing, but we'd still need a player who's got that mobility and athleticism to get around the pitch and really kind of deputise for Decore, but also help him out in a three-man midfield. Um, or if Alan stays and he's playing, you know, can help Alan out. Um we need to, whatever happens. So I'm kind of more willing to just wait and see. But yeah, obviously, 20 million would be, I think, far too much. Would that change your mind on it, Alan? If it was. Buck Tracks Liquor salutes our local men and women who are first responders from EMTs, fire, and police departments that serve and protect our communities to those serving in our military. Let's remember those who protect and save our lives and show them our appreciation for their dedication. Buck Tracks Liquor is where you'll find all your game day beers, wines, and liquors. From top shelf products to imported brews, stop by Buck Tracks Liquors at 430 Old Whitetail Drive in Wilton or visit them online at bucktracksliquor.com. Sort of like a loan of an option to, to buy in there or, or something like that. Because I mean, I'm, I'm in total agreement with, with both. Just 20 million feels a little bit like that's that's far too much for not only a lad who's fallen down the peck in order at Spurs, but has, has hardly played any football at all, really, over the past couple of years. I think loans are a good idea, and that was, you know, a very important element of the Moyes years. We used always loan players, you know, it's a, it's a no-risk strategy. I mean, the biggest issue that Everton have at the moment, as we well know, is having a stockpile of players on massive wages that we can't shift. And we overpaid them because we were an attractive proposition for them to come from a sporting perspective. So you had to incentivize them economically. Whereas if you loan a player, it's basically a risk-free thing because, you know, if you have an option to buy including the deal, for instance, if the player enjoys his time here, if you enjoy the player's time here, it works out. I mean, imagine if we had signed Danny van der Beek on a, you know, for £20 million, paid him hundred grand a week last winter. It didn't really work. I don't think we really want him in our midfield that much. It wouldn't have worked out. Whereas signing a player on a loan deal for the whole season, especially with a full preseason under his belt, would make a lot of sense. But um, I guess the question is whether the Spurs are willing to do that. You know, I just think that the biggest issue would be making a huge financial investment in this guy because I don't think that we've seen enough from him to you know suggest to us that he could be a starting midfielder for us for the next three to five years. Yeah, totally agree with all that, and it does feel a little bit Patrick as well. Like this is sort of. Classic case of the consequences of our own actions coming back to, to bite us, isn't it? You know, some of the plays that you mentioned there in regards to midfielders, you know, Alan, when we signed him, remember there were concerns about his age and they were sort of laughed off because he was 29. Same about the core, because he's, he's 27. Other players in there that you mentioned as well. And here we are a couple of years down the line and Alan's looking like a player who's, you know, past his best now, picks up injuries regularly. Decore picked up injuries frequently throughout his, his entire time at Everton. It's, you know, it feels like a bit of a consequence of the, the short-term thinking that the football club has, has done at times in recent years. And, and now we're sat here on the brink of another necessary midfield re- rebuild. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think I think Alan, to be fair, I think sometimes he's unfairly maligned by certain sections of the fan base. I do think, by and large, when he's played, he's played well. I don't think we've really ever played him like in his right position, his correct position, bar one or two games 
off the top of my head, the Man United game last season at home when he played with Delph sitting and he was just allowed to go and do the rest of the job. And he's he's still, I think he's still good at that. Obviously, he did pick up that injury towards the end of the year, but like he he wouldn't be one that he'd only be for me. I'd like to move him on if we could because he's on probably a hundred grand a week or north of it. Um, and that's just the situation where we're in. But he wouldn't, you know, if he stays, I won't be devastated. But like I said, you, we still need, whether he go, stays or goes, we still need another midfield rebuild. We we don't have any creativity in midfield. Um, yeah, the, obviously, circumstances last season, for a variety of reasons, didn't help that. But then when you get rid of, when you lose all your creativity from your team, you're relying so much on your wingers. And we saw under Lampard when, we really needed our attack to step up and I thought he had the ability to do it, but we just had that such a lack of consistent quality, um, you know, from Gray and Gordon. Gordon, you expect it because he's a young player just having his breakthrough season. Gray, I think we saw why we got him for so cheap. He's got everything, but he just can't make it click all the time um, or anywhere near enough of the time, but hopefully that'll come. But so it, it, we, we're, we've got a situation where if, whatever system we want to play, whatever system Lampard wants to play, we need legs in midfield. We need someone who can keep the ball and we need a creative spark. Now, ideally you'd get it all in one, but we're probably going to have to look because of the market that we're shopping in at getting two players, maybe even three to fill each of those roles. And then it comes back to, well, do we have any money to do that until we make a big sale? So it is, it's all the consequences of our own actions and, I think all of the fans see that. I think the club see that. So I, that's what I mean. I'm just trying to not judge too quickly on it because I just think, well, Harry Winks on loan, if the club are looking at that, shows where we are right now, shows... And that's just it. We finished 16, sorry, last season. I'm stayed up, like, by the skin of our teeth. Um, we're not suddenly going to become a team that can think of challenging for top, top seven or eight as much as I'd like it. We just aren't. Um and it's just where we're at. So look, I'd be, I wouldn't be against it on as a loan deal, which just from what I've read and what I've listened to, that seems that Everton want. Um, I hope they don't like get lulled into going. Well, we'll go to ten million and five million add-ons. I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, we 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 have improved an area of the pitch we need to improve, but we still need to go and improve it more. Um, but like Alan said, I agree. We can't be committing a big fee and then you know, big wages as well, because it's just going to get us in the same position. Yeah. I suppose the, the other side of the consequences of our actions catching up to us, Alan, is that back in December, we effectively gutted the recruitment department, didn't we? You know, the, the director of football went, loads of his scouts went, his chief of recruitment, Greta Steinson, who is going to Spurs, but by looks of it as well. He went, obviously Kevin Farwell came in midway through last season and is just starting to bring his own, scouts and recruiters in. I know you said earlier that you wanted to see a bit more imagination from the football club in regards to, to the targets, but you know, if you've not had the time for the people you work with to properly get a grip of, of, of that, to have a proper look at these players, to get a, a full assessment of, of the team as well, is it just always going to be the case that you go for targets that, that the manager may, may favour a little bit more and, and targets that are a bit more accustomed to this league just to play it safe? That's exactly it. Like, I mean, I think the rule of thumb in recruitment is that they work, you know, two or three summers in advance. They're always planning ahead. And the best run clubs, whether it's Liverpool or somebody like Brighton, embody that, you know. Um, whereas Everton are definitely not that case. 
it literally sounds like you know frank is like just like picking targets off an eye test you know that's harsh that's you know dis- disparaging of his qualities as a coach and as a talent spotter but that's what it feels like you know um i would have loved to have signed some guy from one of the emerging leagues like france or portugal who people maybe not have heard of you know and brought them in and for a pittance and they performed superbly you know who are 22 23 years old that's what i would love that's what, what the kind of profile player i would have liked to have seen not the kind of you know fringe players of a bigger club i think that's just it's the worst way to go about recruitment genuinely and we've done it for so long and it's never worked it's never worked away. And in the beginning, we were shopping from Barcelona, you know, bringing in Andre Gomez, Yeri Mina, um, Lucas Dean in the same summer. And now we're, you know, slowly falling down the tiers and getting Deli Ali and um, this guy from Spurs, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Do you know what I mean? I think that it's depressing, but it's a result of, you know, the choices the club have made over the last few seasons. And the fact that, as you mentioned, the recruitment team have not been in place long enough to identify these targets. And are also hamstrung by financial realities. So it's the nature of the beast, you know, but it's a dangerous thing because until they got the squad properly and until they, you know, get rid of the fat and bring in some, you know, exciting young players who can contribute in every asset of the pitch, there's going to be troubles, you know, and that's just the nature of the beast. Like. Um, yeah. No, no, right. Um, yeah, I just, again, with, like to echo what Alan said there. Um, I think the thing, the annoying thing with these winks links um, are that surely there's got to be, you know, it, all right, go for him on loan. And then if Spurs say, no, we want money, we can always think, well, we could maybe, you know, go back to that later in the window. But if they are demanding like even any of a fee, it's like, well, surely there's probably a player somewhere else not even bothered such about the age. I mean, obviously you don't want to bring in a 28, 29 year old, but Winks is 25, 26, I think. So, you know, maybe there's a player of a similar age or a few years younger in another league that is available for 5 million of an initial down payment, you know, and 10 million in installments or whatever, rather than then spend it on Winks. Surely like that shouldn't be that hard to find. And look, I don't, this is what I mean. I don't know whether these are Lampard targets. I don't know whether these fellow targets. I don't even know if they're actual, none of us really know if they're actual definite targets until like reliable, you know, reporters do report like it's happened with Winks. Um, you've, so it's, I, I just, I just don't know. I don't know who's leading the recruitment policy. It's, it's like Felwell has had so much to do and, it's not been helped by the fact that we didn't stay up until the second to last game of the season. So there could be no forward planning. He's had to get even things like appointing the academy director, appointing the coach educator, appointing the, um, you know, reshuffling Leighton Baines around and things like that and looking for these new positions. They couldn't even be fulfilled and create, uh, even maybe creators as a post until he knew that we were staying up. Um, so it's, it's, it would have been brilliant if we'd have stayed up at the, you know, if we'd have had safety secured by mid-April, whatever, we'd have been, we may well have been well ahead in this process. We may have had all those positions filmed, but, you know, there's a big difference between the, even the salary that a Premier League club can offer to a, to a position of an academy director or recruitment analysis or whatever, to what a championship club can offer. Um, so it's, it just feels like it's been such a, it feels like there's almost a rush to get all these things done. And as a consequence of that, maybe is that, yeah, we do have to try and get those almost, the you know, the, the easy pickings to an extent, but 
you've just got to balance that with when we do, you know, we've got to be thinking and hopefully they are. When we do get this money in, this is what we want to do with it. Um, and it's a matter of when that money comes in, hopefully for players. Um, look, Tarkovsky on a free is already done. I think that's pretty much, yeah, everyone knows that's done and going to be announced. Maybe the plan was they were wanting Tarkovsky in on a free and, lo- and a, a winks in on loan for the start of pre-season. And while it's hardly inspiring, you have improved the squad in some areas with those and you haven't spent any money. Maybe that was the plan. And the issue is with Spurs, obviously, they're going to play hardball. So I just hope the, I hope, hope the deal doesn't drag on. Whether it's If it's done, I hope it's cheap or on loan. If it isn't, fine, leave it. There's other players around, I'm sure, who can do what Harry Winks can. And not even that thing about exciting the fans, just that thing of we're probably going to get better, better value if Spurs are demanding anything above, you know, 10 million. Yeah, I mean, you you lads watch probably a lot more European football than me, Alan, obviously, in, in La Liga. I mean, are, are there any players like that that you, you look at and go, God, why didn't Everton just go after him? He won't cost a lot. He's got loads of ability. He's young. He'd, he'd really fit the, the bill. Um, Off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody, really. I mean, I guess somebody who could be a possibility is Antonio Blanco, who is... A young guy plays for Real Madrid. He played a lot under Zidane um, when Zidane was there last season, or well, I guess 2019, 2020-21. He played a lot under Zidane. He's a kind of a holding midfielder. He's from Andalusia. He's very, very tidy in the ball, very good in the ball. Looking for more minutes. Uh, Carlo, as we well know, doesn't like blooding youth that much, so he played him virtually never last season. But we have links with Carlo, obviously. This is a good connection there, I think. We could potentially get a loan from him. Um, it's a low-risk situation because he's not playing anything in Madrid at the moment. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's a big ask for him to come over here and, you know, immediately drop into the Premier League, having had so, so little experience in um, first division football. But he, had, he does have Champions League minutes under his belt, you know, so it could be potentially an option. And he's very highly thought of at Madrid. Mm. But I think the point for me is the pulling power of the Premier League as well. Because if you look at Villa, the business they're doing, you know, signing Diego Carlos from Sevilla, and obviously, they have more financial freedom than we do um, for some reason. I don't know where they get the money from, to be honest with you. But, you know, they can pull Carlos out of Sevilla, who are Champions League club for three seasons in a row now, to a mid-table club who finished only a few points ahead of us. Like the pulling power of the Premier League is immense, absolutely immense. And there's a lot of players in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in Portugal and France, which are the biggest markets now for talent. It's not Spain. It's not Germany. It's not Italy. It's these kind of, you know, smaller European nations are the best places because they take players from whether it's Latin America or from Africa and they kind of, you know, breed them into the European style of the game and then the bigger clubs can pick them off. But we're not going for that market ever, it seems. We're always going for, you know, like I said, cast-offs of elite clubs. So I guess if I was to, you know, plead for something for our recruitment, it would be following the Brighton model or bringing that kind of style of players because, you know, Eve Basuma, for instance, would have been our dream midfielder. And obviously he's gone to Spurs now. Um, but yeah, I guess it's something that will be years and years in the making, you know? And with Farhad Moshiri involved, I would doubt it will ever be the case because I don't think it ever the patience or the humility to go for players like that and for a model like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, suppose you might not be here for long, but <laughs> that's an old rabbit hole. Don't want to go down. But Patrick, you mentioned Sangare. Anyone else? Do you um, think? I mean, I, I, that that was just off the top of my head. Um, I think, like, I, I know he's gone to Leeds now, but I, 
there were a bit of annoyance from certain fans then uh, they signed Mark Rocha, if I pronounced that right, Alan will be able to correct me, from Bayern. Um, if you're looking at a Harry Winks type player, I think he's ended up costing them 12 million, give or take. If you're looking at a Harry Winks type player who has a lot of potential to be better than Harry Winks, you you know, and has kind of played as a, a holding midfielder in a possession-based team, then he'd be someone that it's a shame Everton didn't look at. Maybe they did look at and they just didn't have enough money to do it right now. Um, it, 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 again, it, it, I, don't, again, I don't really know what Lampard's after. Um, the Gladu signed for Villa Camara, who signed on a free from Marseille. He'd be, he'd to me, he'd have been the perfect number six for Everton because he'd have covered two roles in one, basically. He'd be the actual six, but he's also got that athleticism to get about. But I think the reports were Villa were paying him about 10 million a season, which, which so it's about 180 grand a week. We just can't afford to do that. Um, it is, it, we are where we are. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that Everton's scouting department are obviously better than better than me at Brandon picking names, but that is their job. Um, but I, I am sure that... that means, to be honest. It's quite a reason I am sure that there's... Um, there is players out there who can kind of do the two roles that we're looking for in one even, but we'll just see what happens. Like I said, if Winks comes in, if Zinchenko came in, who I think would be a, he'd really sort that creative spark if he plays in that similar role, how he plays for Ukraine, but um, we'd still need another one, whatever happens, you know, with, with it, we still need two really. Yeah, I remember the Kamara thing. I was really hoping that we'd try and go for him. But obviously the wages are out of our price range. But he's a really, really good player. I really like him a lot. And they actually fought off Atletico Madrid to get him, if you believe that. I mean, it's just crazy, the, the pull of the Premier League. And Raka, I mean, like, he's played so little football over the last two years. I'd be very wary of touching him. I think if you were to compare him to Winks, I'd actually go for Winks because Winks has Premier League experience. He's lower risk. I mean, Rocket joined Byron in 2020 from Espanyol. He's hardly kicked the ball. I'm pretty sure he's not touched a thousand minutes yet in two full seasons, which is not ideal because, you know, the Bundesliga is the perfect environment to give players like him a chance, given how dominant Byron have been over the last few, well, over the last decade, I guess you could say. Um, and then what was the final points you're saying again? Um, was it her player you mentioned there? You mentioned... Angare, the stars. Who was it again? Angare. Oh yeah, no, not him. I don't know. I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, getting excited thinking about all these elegant midfielders we're gonna get. But I remember no, that we, can, no, we can't sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I think with Rock, I think with Rocky had a bad injury. Didn't look. I I I, I remember seeing him at Espanol, and I thought at the time, oh, like, why is he moved to Bayern? That just seemed a bit of a mad move. Obviously, not from the player's perspective. Like you would move to Bayern, but. Um, just seen Bayern were just doing it as a squad filler and then he got a pretty bad injury I think in his first season it hasn't really worked out I just I suppose it, it, my point was if Everton did have 10, 10 or 12 million available I'd rather it go on another player than Harry Winks um, but with like you I think Harry Winks would be the one that's kind of more, less risk or more risk averse I guess and then maybe that's what the club are thinking yeah. And we can keep saying Winks Links as well, which I really liked. <laughs> that, was, that was an excellent line. Uh, but just, just before we wrap up, lads, um, very quickly, did we all see the picture of Frank Lampard hungover? Um, just yeah. very... <laughs> I felt a lot of... Um, to be honest, when I saw him partying with Wayne Lineker, I thought, oh, Frank, yeah. you're better than that, mate. And then when I saw him hungover the next day, I thought, well, I suppose that, that's, that's just what you get, isn't it? He's a Londoner, isn't he? He's a London boy. Do you know what I mean? They're different, aren't they? Like, you know, so 
No. I mean, I mean, Bellingham were in that picture as well. So you know, there's hope. Maybe you, he's. You, you wouldn't be a bad signing. Maybe he's the midfielder sorted. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe Bellingham was asking him what Merseyside was like ahead of a potential move to Liverpool. Lampard's just saying, "Ah, it's awful." Off, just, yeah. just, just stay away. Go to Manchester instead. Uh, the word, the word in the street in Spain is that uh, Madrid are going to come in and you know take another promising player from Liverpool because they can. So I think 2023, their plan is to go for Bellingham potentially. So we do we know the blow look out the water again, and we can feel a bit good that Carlo was doing something nice for us while we suffer in misery and mediocrity. Oh, God, they, they've got about a million exciting young midfielders already, haven't they? So. No, yeah. six, six, six men depth. Like I mean, if you compare to Everton's depth, like they have you know Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Casemiro, Fede Valverde, Aurelien Chomeni, and um, Eduardo Camavinga. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like those six lads have already beat our first eleven, I reckon. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Will Ballingham come to Everton under Lampard? Has he got that much pulling power? Probably not. Um, but lads, we will leave it there this week. Uh, cheers for coming on. Cheers to Patrick. Cheers to Alan. Uh, and cheers for listening as well. If this is your first time listening or you've listened to us many times and you haven't subscribed yet, you haven't given us a rating on iTunes yet, please do. Uh, every little helps in that sense. I'll be back throughout the summer with weekly shows, with transfer shows, with all the usual stuff over on the Blue Room Extra as well. If you want a little bit more from us, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. But yeah, that's it for your weekly show. Up the top east. We'll speak to you again very soon. We work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local bakers. Bakers, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com boost. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.